0: Ukrainian higher education is facing enormous challenges. Universities have been relocated from temporarily occupied territories and territories with active warfare to more safe regions of Ukraine. Many faculty members and students have moved abroad, now they continue working or studying online. Some of the university buildings and facilities were destroyed. How did this happen? What can be next? And which support do Ukrainian universities need from the international partners? You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. Explaining Ukraine is a podcast by Ukraine World, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of UkraineWorld.org. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. This conversation is hosted by Tetiana Oharkova, Ukrainian scholar and journalist, head of International Department at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Tetiana's guest is Yevhen Nikolaev, expert of the Education Analytics Think Tank. This episode is recorded as part of the project of the Education Analytics Think Tank implemented with support of Konrad Andenauer Foundation. Opinions expressed in this episode are solely the authors and do not necessarily reflect the opinions and beliefs of the Foundation. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on patreon.com ukraineworld. We devote majority of your donations to help Ukrainian defenders and people affected by this war. patreon.com ukraineworld
1: So, hello, Evgeny, thank you very much for joining our podcast. We are talking about higher education in Ukraine and what's happening now during the war, starting from the full-scale invasion of Russian Federation here in Ukraine. Uh, My first question would be a general one. Could you please describe what is happening with universities in in Ukraine? How do they face uh, these major challenges?
2: Uh, Yes, uh, thank you, thank you for inviting me here. Uh, I uh, perhaps I'll begin by saying that uh, the war is uh, a hard challenge uh, for all of us and for all organizations. Uh, This is obvious. And uh, it is a long lasting challenge for universities as well. Why long lasting? Because uh, we went directly from uh, COVID-19 limitations into war, like without any break, with, uh, with nothing in between. So uh, what was happening since 2020 was uh, uh, was that uh, the universities went online. Uh, the students left the university buildings and campuses and, st- and started studying online. And this uh, has been going on for two and a half years already. So uh, that's, uh, you know, the, the main line. And uh, uh, also, uh, due to war, universities are facing challenges of uh, students and faculty fleeing Ukraine or moving to more safe regions from less safe. Uh, regions. There are no absolutely safe regions here now. Uh, universities are facing financial uh, difficulties because the state funding has been diminished. Uh, also, there is uh, a group of universities that had to move uh, from the regions where uh, which are under uh, Russian temporary occupation or where there is uh, active warfare. They had to move to other uh, Places of Ukraine, and uh, this is uh, this is the negative background, the negative. Uh, how I say? This is the negative field uh, under which uh, we are operating.
1: Yes, exactly. So this experience is uh, quite difficult one, uh, because we do know that uh, in the beginning, let's let's maybe come back to February, March when, uh, ev- so people were having students and professors were having their classes on Wednesday, uh, twenty one of February, twenty first February, and then the next day there were nothing because everything was closed and people started moving from Kiev, but from other cities as well, everywhere where Russian aggression was taking place, and uh, eh, I'm, if I'm not mistaken and for for six or even more weeks there were no studying at all So because people were out uh, everybody was uh, trying to find a safe place to continue but back in in April, if I'm not mistaken um, uh, students were back to their classes and professors were back to their teaching but everything was online Uh, Do you have any kind of information about how many people, both students and professors left Ukraine?
2: Uh, well, uh, one thing uh, I would like to comment on is uh, that after February the 24th uh, there was a, a, a different du- duration of pause in studies for different universities from two weeks in uh, Lviv up to two months uh, in universities that had to move uh, from... Uh, Donetsk Oblast, uh, Khersonsk Oblast from those regions which are occupied right now. Uh, So uh, these uh, these holidays were different uh, in time for uh, for the students and uh, one uh, problem which this caused was that when the students uh, returned to their studies online uh, they had uh, less time to cover all the material that, that that was planned in the semester so the studies were intensified uh, very much and uh, the th- On top of that, because uh, all these factors are like on top of one another, on top of that everyone was shocked, everyone was uh, in a bad emotional state. Uh, People needed psychological or even psychiatric support, so uh, everyone was uh, running somewhere, so it was extremely difficult for uh, for, uh, all the people. Uh, As to what you ask, uh, how many students and uh, faculty are uh, abroad, I cannot tell you exactly, but uh, uh, as I could estimate, uh, that's uh, somewhere between 10% and one-third of all students and faculty. And also remember that... uh, the female students could flee abroad, uh, and faculty. The male students and uh, faculty are not allowed to leave Ukraine. So that's that's uh, that's why they, uh, if they moved, uh, they had to move within Ukraine, not outside of it. So. Mm-hmm. That's, That's
1: interesting. So you are sure about this legislation? I remember there were some debates about female, stu- about male students, and the laws for them to go abroad. But uh, as as for now, they are not allowed to go abroad, uh, right?
2: Generally, they are not allowed abroad. Uh, on a case by case uh, basis, uh, the Ministry of Science and Education. Uh, Well, uh, raises the question of allowing a certain student to go abroad before the authorities and then there is another problem that uh, uh, the ministry sees uh, uh, two students for one of them they raise the question, for the other uh, student uh, they do nothing so that's uh, another problem which is discussed right now so uh, but uh, well uh, you cannot uh, say that about a thousand male students this is one student or ten students uh, that's mm-hmm. you know that's a very small number of the of the male students that
1: yeah let's explain to our audience that uh, this uh, uh, fact that uh, male students cannot leave Ukraine is linked to the martial law which was pronounced yes, in Ukraine yes. back in February is linked directly uh, direct link to the war and the same is applicable for uh, professors uh, at least until the age of 65 right of 60? Uh, 60 60 yes. 60 60
2: from 18 to 60
1: so male are, are not allowed to go abroad easily so and really it affects and um uh as far as I'm professor at Kifmahil Academy, I do remember this. We were talking about dif- about difficult psychological state of students, and I do remember that we had some students which were, for example, in Bucha, on in Irpin, and they were living in this horrible situation when they had to flee uh, occupied, uh, occupied, really occupied places, and they had an extremely tragic experience. So you cannot compare this experience to experience to somebody Uh, let us say, in Lviv or in Ivano-Frankivsk. So we were trying to take that into consideration during exams... And during all kind of tests, because we do understand that everybody is, is very precarious, so it's very fragile. People are, both students and professors, were extremely fragile during these first uh, months of the war. And unfortunately, this is not finished. So the war is going on. So we we are still facing uh, a lot of problems. Uh, but uh, let's talk about maybe universities which suffered most. So the universities from the occupied territories, I mean, in in the east and in the south, uh, could you please explain what's happening with them?
2: Uh, Well, yes, Uh, those universities that were located in the areas uh, which are now occupied, which are extremely unsafe due to active warfare, they were ordered by the government to move, uh, to move quickly, uh, to move to... Uh, other regions of Ukraine. Uh, Such universities, their number is 25 universities. They have almost 7,000 faculty and uh, 54,000 students. Uh, That's one thing. But uh, in reality, this uh, does not unfortunately mean that all the students and all the faculty moved uh, in an organized manner to some one other city and uh, they are continuing uh, everything there. No, this uh, uh, relocation means that the administrative body of the universities was uh, moved or was able to move to other cities like, you know, the rector, the vice rector, the accountants, uh, the the key personnel about plus or minus 20 people from each uh, university. And uh, <clears throat> uh, everyone else uh, uh, had to uh, decide for themselves and everyone else acted differently, so uh, some people moved, some people moved to the place where the administration moved, some, some people moved uh, somewhere where, uh, to some other region of Ukraine, some people moved outside of Ukraine, I mean the female students and uh, women. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what was happening with them. And uh, this caused uh, 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 many difficult challenges for them. So you are moving very quickly. You, do, you cannot take too many documents with you. Uh, you cannot take your computers with you. The uh, information on the servers is in danger. They had difficulty with uh, transferring this. Uh, information to others uh, to other computers uh, you do not have enough uh, computers and stationery and uh, everything else uh, on, on the new place uh, there was no additional uh, funding to help these uh, universities move actually so so the, that was uh, a big a big 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 challenge uh, however i can say that uh, we talked with several of these universities and uh, they were more optimistic than we could expect so this uh, somehow they did manage to organize themselves to move to arrange for the uh, Continued operation in the new place and uh, and stuff like that and also uh, one details uh, is that they are moving to uh, in the new cities in Ukraine on, to other universities you know like for example uh, a university from Kherson moved to. Uh, Ivano-Frankivsk, and now they're occupying one of the buildings of Ivano-Frankivsk University, so mm-hmm. so that's one thing.
1: Yeah. Do you think that there are students which, uh, um, from, for any kind of reason, stayed in the occupied territories, but they still continue studying in a relocated university?
2: Uh, when we were conducting some research into this question in Uh, April and May, about a third of the students were staying in the occupied territories. And uh, what was uh, different, uh, depending on what territory it is, is that uh, the places are different. In some places, in some cities, uh, the internet still works okay. In some places, there is no internet. In some places... Uh, students can receive, uh, could receive scholarship to their banking cards in some places. The Ukrainian banks uh, did not work, so it is uh, a very different situation for different uh, occupied territories. So, uh, but we did see that uh, 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 in all cases there is a large number of students and also a large number, a large part of the. Uh, teachers of the faculty that did not move for this or that reason, mm-hmm. and also uh, when the occupied, uh, when the occupiers came, they uh, started subverting these people. Yes, so uh, well, please uh, desert Ukraine, uh, go to. Work or to study to to the, within the Russian system. So, so so this this is what was happening. Mm-hmm. So so in
1: a way it could be kind of a resistance if you stay in the occupied territories and you still follow Ukrainian program in the Ukrainian university, even if you are not physically there. So in a way it could be the case, and the same for for teachers and professors, but. Mm. If you can afford it, if you have good internet, if you are not
2: forced, uh, uh, you know, physically forced uh, to abandon these studies, uh, yes, why not? So uh, we don't know the situation right now. in In October, we uh, we did study the situation in uh, in May, in spring, so and it was uh, different. Mm-hmm, different in, in different
1: uh, context. Yeah, let's let's consider a different case. Uh, Let's look, for example, at a city like Kharkiv, which was never occupied during this full-scale invasion. But we do know that a number of universities were uh, heavily bombarded and damaged. And in any case, there is no, uh, no offline teaching at these universities. Do you have any information about how everything is organized in such cities?
2: Well, these, uh, these universities, as far as I know, are doing a little bit better, but uh, I cannot say that better is a good word to describe this. So, uh, what they can do, they do. What they can do is continuing studies in uh, in online. So, mm-hmm. but they also face uh, these challenges that their people had to flee Kharkiv or some other places. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's that's an issue. They do not face the financial problems uh, because the Ukrainian banks are working in Kharkiv and the Ukrainian internet operates and mobile phones work. But uh, everything else is not easy either. Mm-hmm.
1: At the same time, and
2: you know, you cannot uh, really uh, study well and diligently when uh, when uh, bombardment is going on. So that's that's not something you can do. Yeah. That, really well.
1: That's true, that's true. But uh, at the same time, uh, according to experience we have, and according to what uh, people say, a lot of students left abroad, um, but they still continue to um, to go through these Ukrainian programs. And... Uh, we understand that there are some challenges they are meeting uh, while doing so, because they are far from Ukraine, because they are far from this uh, direct communication. How would you describe the challenges these students in particular meet? Uh,
2: yes, uh, these students meet several challenges. Uh, challenge number one is... Uh, is that they have to study uh, the foreign language of the country where they live in. Well, uh, you know, uh, even beginning with basic everyday uh, needs every day, you know, things uh, you have to to do. You have to buy some food, you have to earn some money, you have to communicate with someone, you have to uh, go around and get some documents, receive some support and stuff like that uh the point number 2 which uh, the these people say is that they are low on money so um, even if uh, they continue receiving the ukrainian scholarship or the ukrainian salary I mean the students and the professors it is low for living in uh, in most european countries it is not enough so they have to uh a search for a part-time job, full-time job, uh, not always legal job because uh, uh, the regulations for refugees are not uh, are not easy in this regard. Uh, another thing uh, that uh, that is happening is that uh, many universities are, uh, I mean, of the European of other European countries, are offering programs of support for these students and these uh, faculties. So they are offering their uh, living premises, their dormitories. They are offering to study some courses. They may offer some uh, additional. Uh, funding additional scholarship what is important uh, they can help in organizing some medical assistance for these people and uh, here and here this is a twofold situation on the one hand it is good that uh, uh, we are receiving this assistance and we are very grateful for our uh, to, to our neighbors for this uh, on the other hand, uh, we understand that uh, some of these uh, universities will be uh, attracting some of these students and these faculty uh, to study and work there on a constant basis. So, so, well, they will not invite everyone, but they will invite a part of these people. So, these people. Uh, you know, will will leave Ukraine for a long time, and it is a, a form of brain drain for us. So, uh, it's a, it's it's a big challenge for us how to tackle this.
1: Yes, exactly. So, yes, uh, if the war continues, if it, if it's still here during months and maybe years, we do hope that not, but uh, you never know, it will mean that the whole generation, a big part of generation will leave Ukraine, at least female students will be trying to leave the country and then it'll be extremely difficult to get them back, right? Because the people were already engaging, will be engaging in different scholar pro- programs somewhere in different countries and it will be difficult for us to get uh, to get them back so all of that is true and unfortunately this is about ukrainian future right this is about uh, the future of our higher education about the c- competition and yes and uh, when young people will be leaving country it will be disaster for for the economy in the long run right for for economy for for society in general um, maybe Another question is that uh, this year, uh, as we remember, still a lot of universities, except of these uh, 25, as you said, universities which are in the occupation, right? They are are not in the
2: occupation, They they have
1: moved. As he moved, yeah, but but initially were in the occupation, so uh, everybody uh, was conducting uh, entrance exams um, back in September, in J- July depends on the university, and then we know we know that this year the exams were um, extremely easy, so uh, so it was extremely easy to, to join the university. Would you please explain to our audience why it happened so and what uh, what are what's next?
2: Uh, well, uh, yes. Uh, thank you for this, uh, for raising this uh, important issue. Uh, the university entrance exams in Ukraine are external as in many other countries. This means that the university does not conduct the entrance exams itself, but uh, they are organized by a government agency which works independently of the universities. And uh, there is, uh, uh, there was uh, always uh, for, for these exams, uh, like you know, a passing score. You had mm-hmm. to gain a certain number of uh, correct answers on each of these exams in order to get a pass score uh, which allowed you to apply to the university. Uh, this year, uh, the ministry um, did two things. First, they made the, the, uh, the exam questions more simple. Uh, and, and second, they removed the passing mark. So mm-hmm. the passing barrier. So if you score one correct question, you already pass, and you you are uh, you are able to apply to university. Also because uh, of the war. Uh, earlier, you? we were conducting the the exams in paper format. Now it is computer testing, so but but that's uh, mostly technical. The, the the important idea is that everyone who came to take the exam, uh, in fact, passed it. It is impossible to fail. Mm-hmm. So there is no. Uh, would you
1: explain to, to our audience why it this is happening so? Uh,
2: well, this was uh, a decision by the ministry. Uh, Uh, One thing I do not like to comment is, uh, you know, like some uh, subjective things uh, like uh, the minister of uh, education in Ukraine. He is an ex-rector, so he does everything to support universities and does not do everything to support other uh, educational institutions. This is not the line I would like to comment on, but the line uh, which uh, will suffer... Now, uh, because of these uh, decisions, is that there will be fewer uh, fewer entrants to VET institutions, to those. Uh, Two or three-year programs uh, that provide practical education with uh, the, you know, how mm-hmm. do they mm-hmm. call it? So technical, these, technical these,
1: schools or whatever. Yes, how you these call it. Uh,
2: technical schools and colleges. Mm-hmm. So because everyone goes to the university this year, mm-hmm. so it will be so that's that a it, problem.
1: Do you think it would mean a kind of inflation in the education, in a kind of a lower quality of the students enrolled this year? Um, uh
2: the problem actually is that this inflation of uh, education quality has been uh, happening uh, in ukraine for many years already unfortunately uh so uh, mm- It is one thing. The other thing is that uh, it is possible for good students to get high-quality education, uh, right? But they're studying together with uh, those less motivated students who are not getting this high-quality education. That's the problem. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. The other thing is uh, uh, something from which I was beginning two and a half years of uh, online education only. This is... uh, Uh, This does not, uh, by all means, mean that the quality of such education uh, is not up to standards, but it may be uh, lower in uh, some cases. And the third idea is uh, uh, due to uh, war. Uh, When the war started, uh, uh, a decree was uh, passed that, uh, in fact, uh, for, for the duration of the war, cancels the accreditation procedures of uh, external quality assurance of educational programs of uh, of the universities. the accreditation uh, mm-hmm. is not cancelled, uh, but it is automatic. You just send an application and automatically get accredited. So mm-hmm. this is how it works now. Yeah. So, so the criteria are now not working. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, a wider field uh, of, uh, of uh, issues uh, regarding the education quality
1: yes exactly but in a um, in a different perspective uh, this uh policy of the ministry would also mean that more students uh, will stay in Ukraine if uh, higher education becomes uh, something easier, affordable for for many students. So there will be maybe less people, less families making choice to go abroad, right? So in a way, there's also a way to keep uh, young people here in Ukraine, even if we understand that it would lead to a kind of lower quality of what they are really doing, uh, less competition, And less, maybe, yes, all these kind of things, but in a way to keep people here, which could be a good thing during the war. That's a
2: good point, yes. Uh, Also, uh, we know that uh, those, uh, uh, at the moment, school pupils uh, who were on, on their final year, uh, in in spring, they could uh, the 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 university entrance exam for them was organized in other countries as well. We will see, also that some of those students uh, took the exam, for example, in Poland or in Germany or in uh, other European countries. Even in the there were some people doing these exams in the U.S. and Canada. So that was. A very large scale, and uh, we hope that some of those uh, people uh, will be uh, will be joining or have uh, have already entered the Ukrainian uh, universities. we are, uh, we are going uh, to research this question. Like you know, in two weeks we'll know the mm-hmm. answer.
1: That's, so. it, that's also very interesting because in a way this problem is not only about universities but also about schools because for for uh, for school uh, for 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 people for, for kids who are going to school they had exactly the same problems during this uh, previous year they were having war their families uh, were obliged to flee or whatever they everybody had all this problems they have no time to study they also made a kind of a pause in their studies so the level the quality i would say of the schooling was also low Lower than usual. So uh, it it, it, it would be natural for them to have some problems to to enroll into universities and to pass all these exams or whatever, all these uh, things. So this is about how Russian aggression influences in a very negative way what's going on here with, with studying in, in schools and in universities. And the tragedy is that it comes after a couple of years of COVID. So uh, we already forgot what, what does it mean to be offline in, in, in universities, what does it mean, this real communications uh, communication, the real learning, uh, real presence... And unfortunately, it will have some negative effects in in, in the future. Mm, But uh, at the same time, uh, and uh, we are maybe facing the last question, the last last direction of our conversation would be about how do you think uh, our international partners would be able to help us, to help Ukrainian higher education system, to help Ukrainian universities? What could be done?
2: Uh, well uh we are thinking about it with our colleagues all the time so uh one of the ideas uh, is that we uh, when uh, we would like to ask the uh, foreign universities, the European universities, when they are uh, offering help to those students that have fled to their countries, uh, to refrain from taking these uh, students on a full time uh, on a full time program, so that these students can take some courses there, but then return here to uh, to, to to finish their studies in in the Ukrainian system. That w- that would be a, a good. Good, good, very good uh, assistance and support for us. So uh, here, uh, to this end, uh, joint degree programs should be more uh, actively developed. Also, maybe not the universities, uh, but the governments, uh, we do have some uh, needs, uh, financial needs the universities have, uh, like, you know, to uh, to measure the learning gaps that were formed uh, during COVID, during the war, and to provide some additional uh, courses for the students in order to lessen this gap. But the universities now are not, uh, in possession of the funding to organize uh, such um, courses on a large scale, on a needed scale. So uh, maybe some grant programs uh, will be uh, very much to the point. And uh, also, uh, if I were to address the uh, ministers of education, of uh, European countries, I would uh, ask them to pay closer attention to what is going on with the formal procedures for uh, quality assurance. So what uh, what we are seeing is that uh, the external quality assurance system is currently posted that it's not working at all. Uh, should we wait for until the end of uh, active warfare until Ukraine's victory in order to start reviving this system again in several years what's uh, what will be happening to the universities in this post and also um, I do understand that this is an internal question but, uh, uh, you know, there are also minuses in this uh, decision to accept everyone to the universities, to remove the passing barrier. Maybe uh, maybe our colleagues uh, could uh, support the position that, uh, okay, we are doing this in 2022, but we, will, uh, we should not be doing this next year and, and the year after. So uh, this is not something that... Uh, uh, that should be done continuously. Universities uh, uh, cannot work efficiently with unmotivated and uh, poorly prepared students. So, so these uh, these are the things uh, that, uh, uh, in my opinion, are important now.
1: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But uh, on the other hand, uh, my observations are that. Uh, uh, we do have uh, different types of students and a mm, big number of them is abroad. And some students are right in explaining that they are enrolled in the Ukrainian program, but they uh, have to, to walk, sometimes to work hard ab- abroad. But I would say that some of them are really motivated to follow this Ukrainian program. So the cases could be very different. And th- a lot of things depends on how long the law will, will last. If it's finished next year, this one situation, but if it lasts longer, it will change dramatically this educational landscape in Ukraine and the consequences of this war would be disastrous for the whole country because when we speak about education higher education we speak about about uh, labor market we are speaking about science we're speaking about many things which are crucial for Ukraine for its development development in the future and this is uh, very fragile yes education is very fragile when it comes to war because um, your air alerts most of universities have the policy not to not to continue what they are doing in classes so it means this uh, all the time interrupted so studies courses are all the time interrupted when for people who are inside ukraine and it could uh, have a real negative um, effect on what uh, students learn and how professors feel as well because it's impossible to, to teach in, sometimes it's not impossible, it's, it's difficult to teach in such conditions when you are to go to a bomb shelter during your class or whatever. Mm, so situation is not very much optimistic but uh, let's maybe finish with something uh, something good say, stating that uh, uh, despite all the challenges you, most of Ukrainian universities right? are continuing their job right they are yes. de- here students are there and they sometimes continue what they were doing from abroad or from a um, western i would say regions or whatever some of them are staying in the occupied territories let's imagine yeah if your number you were mentioning the number of 30 percent and between 10 and 30 percent back in march right now, maybe less. We don't know exactly the number. But imagine there are some people, some students following the, the, the classes from, from the occupation. Uh, and the, yes, and the, the system itself is doing its best, right, to, to, to yes. resist... Even the
2: universities that moved, there were 25 universities that moved, they all continued operation. There were no universities that were abandoned and, uh, and destroyed. So zero. How many universities stopped uh, operation due to war? None. Everyone is, uh, is continuing. And this. Uh, I am putting emphasis on these universities because for them the challenges are the largest. And uh, the other universities are facing uh, also challenges, but they are uh, objectively uh, a little bit easier. So mm, the resilience of the people, of the uh, institutions, of the system is, uh, is, uh, is something which, uh, about which we can speak optimistically. That's mm-hmm. good. So. That's a good thing.
1: So let, let's stay optimistic about this uh, situation, which is in reality not so easy, but let's hope for the best and let's hope that Ukrainian universities will survive all these challenges together with Ukrainian people and with the country itself. Thank you very much, Evgenia for this talk. Thank you.
0: This was a podcast Explained in Ukraine by ukraineworld.org. This episode was hosted by Tetyana Harkova, Ukrainian scholar and journalist who is heading international department at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Her guest was Yevhen Nikolaev, expert of the education analytics think tank. This episode has been recorded as part of a project of the education analytics think tank implemented with support of Konrad Adenauer Foundation opinions expressed in this episode are solely the authors and do not necessarily reflect the opinions and beliefs of the foundation. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. You can support us on patreon.com ukraineworld ukraine world. We devote majority of your donations to help Ukrainian defenders and people affected by this war. Patreon.com/UkraineWorld. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.